With deep humility, we take shelter of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, and all the previous Acharyas. Today, we're observing the disappearance day of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And um, we're especially indebted to him, as Srila Prabhupada pointed out many, many times, that he was the engineer of the modern-day Krishna consciousness movement. If you have a few devotees, you can sit in a, room and read Srimad Bhagavatam and cook a little kitri and there's no real difficulty although you may fight over who gets what room it's not a big issue you can go on very happily performing Krishna consciousness one way or the other but if you get 300 or 600 or 3000 or 30,000 or 300,000 or 3 million people who want to chant Hare Krishna you have to have some institution. And as even Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur pointed out, there's a way in which when you start to institutionalize, you have a contradiction in terms with a spontaneous process of devotional service, and then you have to regulate it in various ways. Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur envisioned a movement that would encompass the whole world and bring together people from all different cultures. Even in a multinational company, it's very difficult to coordinate between various countries and present the same product. You have to put it in different packaging because what attracts people in America doesn't attract people in Japan or China or Europe. And there's language barriers. There are currency exchange issues. I'm speaking about multinational companies. But when we come to the Krishna consciousness movement, we have the same issues in making an organization that accommodates people all over the world. Only those with very broad-minded vision can accommodate a multinational corporation and the greatest of Vaishnavas, the Acharyas, have the capacity to think beyond a room with three people in it reading Bhagavatam together. And they think in terms of 300, 3,000, 300,000, 3 million, 30 million, the whole world, and how everyone in the world can read Bhagavatam together and chant Hare Krishna. And how are you going to serve Kitri to 300,000 or 3 million people? That requires a genius of management and also the spiritual will to develop such a thing. And Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur had such a genius. He was a, um, an associate of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, spiritually connected always to the realm of the spiritual world and brought before our 
Her Eyes, the modern blueprint for the Christian conscious movement, and then instituted it through his son, Bhimala Prasad, who became Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, and the tradition has carried on through his divine grace, H.D. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, and other uh, Gaudiya Acharyas and gurus who are spreading Krishna consciousness all over the world with the same idea in mind. How will people everywhere be able to take to Krishna consciousness despite language barriers, cultural barriers, and the various ways in which we have to organize in order to accommodate all of them? And these all emanated from the mind and heart of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So the trouble that we take in the modern day to whatever extent we can to organize in such a way that we can accommodate all kinds of people is a way of serving Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur by spreading the mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in ways that other people can take to it. And this is a kind of sadhana, thinking about how others can be accommodated. Atma pam yena sarvatra samam pashiti yorjuna sukham vayarivadukam sayogi paramomata. Krishna says the best yogis are the ones who are thinking about others in a compassionate way, knowing that they're suffering and how will they be able to take to Krishna consciousness. And the trouble that one takes in that way counts towards cultivating Krishna consciousness, just as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in a kind of regimented way, ordered his various generals to go to strategic places in order to spread Krishna consciousness and gave them missions. For instance, the mission given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to Rupa Sanatan Goswami was to go to Vrindavan. There was no semblance of the um, Krishna conscious movement there till they got there and they began to institutionalize. Nana Shastra Vichara Naika Nipanosha Dharma Samstapako Lokanam Hitakarano Tribhuvane Manyo Sharanyakaro. There's a way in which they brought together the most important Shastras to show the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Srimad Bhagavatam, which are synonymous to the world so that they could be followed systematically and that they had the theological clout to prove the, their efficacy and the efficacy of the practices. And Rupa and Sanatan reestablished temples that were lost to antiquity. And then, of course, they brought forward the literatures. And this took uh, extensive work. So the Goswamis, the six Goswamis of Vrindavan are exalted by Srinivas Acharya as those who followed the mood and method of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then spread Krishna consciousness to others all over the world and made a pipeline through which the mood of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which first appeared in Madhavendra Puri and then 
came down to the world through Mahaprabhu and his associates could be spread all over the world. And now even today we find that people can have access to that through not only the literature, but also through the modern day followers of the parampara. There has to be both. Otherwise, what is the value for people who can barely understand how to wake up in the morning and uh, have a hard time avoiding grossly sinful activities if they don't have modern followers they can look at and say, oh, this person has stuck with the process and has made spiritual progress because of it. And then they have to have the substantiating literatures which show what the process is and so forth. All this takes great work. And that was the work of the Goswamis. And therefore, Bhaktivinoda Thakur is known as the seventh Goswami because he did the same things. He followed the same mood and method of the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. Therefore, by the Vaishnavas of his time, Bhaktivinoda Thakur was known as the seventh Goswami. It is said that Bhaktivinoda Thakur was born in a family in which his parents died at a very young age. So he was then put under the care of his maternal grandparents, but then a while later was transferred to his paternal grandparents. His grandfather, at whose home he, he lived, did Kedarnath was named uh, Radhapalaba, and excuse me, Raj Balaba. And although he was living as a grahasta, he was very staunch Vaishnav and he wore saffron even at home. And he would get up early in the morning, the wee hours of the morning and chant Hare Krishna and perform pujas all the way into mid-afternoon. And he was uh, an influence on Kedarnath Datta. It is said that just before passing from the world, Raj Balava gave a benediction to his grandson Kedarnath Dutt that you will become a great Vaishnav. And just after making the proclamation, he passed away from the world. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur was an intellectual. There are not uh, many intellectuals in this world. In the Bhagavatam 13 chapter, in a purport, Srila Prabhupada writes about how in this day and age, there really are no uh, philosophies. People don't think things out very clearly. They don't have intellectual capacity. Prayanal parishashavya kalavasmin yugejana mandasumanna matayo mandabhagya hipadrita in the age of Kali Yuga, people have short lives. They'll be extremely quarrelsome, lazy, especially when it comes to spiritual life, misguided. They have very bad ideas in Kali Yuga. Prayanal Parishabhya Kalavasminyu Manda Sumanda Matayo, their matayo, their ideas are sumanda. They're really stupid. Like putting televisions behind the 
every seat on the airplane in the supermarket and then putting 500, 1,000 channels of complete nonsense that pollutes the atmosphere. And that's a stupid idea. It's the worst idea anybody ever had. And they get worse from there. Manda sumanda matayo, manda pagya hupadruta. So there are very few intellectuals. We don't see people which, with much capacity for thinking. What to speak of thinking about Shastra or knowing Shastra, following the tradition. Bhaktivinoda Thakur was truly an intellectual. As I mentioned earlier, he wrote poetry, the most beautiful poetry. Every single poem and song that Bhaktivinoda Thakur wrote was a smash hit. That can only happen in empowered personality. Poetry is not easy to write. If you write, if you write a, a long poem and you put one word that's discordant, it ruins the whole thing and people will not regard it well. But nothing is out of place in Bhaktivinoda Thakur's writings. How is that possible? Such an intellect. And in three languages, three languages, expert, poetical, philosophical. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur in his youth was such a, a great intellect that but at the same time, he was a seeker. He showed the path of the seeker, ecumenical, open to studying all the different religions of the world. He studied Koran, he studied the Bible, and then, of course, Srimad Bhagavatam, which at that time was not considered well in India because there was a consistent effort by the British to undermine the culture of India. This is the tendency of those who have envy within their hearts. So they want to destroy the cultures of others. They want to usurp and control others. If you put a, um, if you stage a, a, a skit and you put somebody in charge as the constable, the policeman, the, the jail warden, even in a play, the dark-hearted side of those Kaliyugaites, it'll come out and they'll start to lord it over others. And that's a natural tendency in Kaliyuga to dominate others and to put, put uh, one's own ideas as the best. And the Bhagavatam had been a subject matter for the British to ridicule. Uh, who is this Krishna? Uh, his activities in Vrindavan and so forth. So there was a kind of lack of self-esteem in India at that time amongst those who were followers of Sanatana Dharma because of the systematic effort to undermine the culture. Of course, it was hard hard to do. Uh, no one has ever um, done away with the culture of Sanatana Dharma for one reason. It's eternal in this spirit of uh, Indians has been always through their culture and the practice of 
Sanatana Dharma to withstand even the cultural influences that have come to India over and over again. Nonetheless, at certain times, there's a waning, and there was definitely a waning at that time, even the intellectuals of the time, of whom Bhaktivinoda Thakur was one, were considering ways in which to syncretize various other philosophies to come out with something that would be acceptable to everyone. Bhaktivinoda Thakur studied Srimad Bhagavatam along with the other scriptures of the world, and then he found Chaitanya Charitamrita. And from the Chaitanya Charitamrita, which is a garland of the most beautiful verses from the Srimad Bhagavatam, and which gives the perfect philosophy and the example of how it's followed by Mahaprabhu and his associates, he understood then the culmination of all philosophy of theology was perfectly presented by the great savior of the East, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Of course, Christian theology has so many branches, different ways, and there are various unexplained ideas and concepts, but he found within Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings everything that was appealing and important from all the Veda, all the scriptures of the world, completely in confluence in the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. It's said that at that time it was difficult to even find a copy of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Fast forward to today, when we can get Chaitanya Charitamrita in many languages and make it available to people in general. It's actually a, a, a miracle that came from the, the heart of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Because as we know, he wanted to see books go all over the world. Not only did he want it, he made it happen. Who knows what the postal system was at the time to be able to send books from India at that time? When we first went to Mayapur, the first trip we went to Mayapur, we got off the bus and we were at Dum Dum Airport. There was a man sitting on the floor in the middle of the airport and he was putting holes in some kind of documents using a rusty nail and a hammer. And that was in 1970s, what to speak of, in the 1800s, what India was like, how Bhaktivinoda Thakur got books published and then sent overseas to Emerson, Thoreau, McGill University in Canada and many other places. He had this expansive desire to see that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's philosophy go to everyone. Just a side note, we should never take for granted what we've been given through the desire of Bhaktivinoda Thakur that was channeled through his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is relentless in publishing books, relentless, relentless, every day getting up to write his books and then urging his followers, some of them fledgling, that I want these not only studied carefully in groups every day, in classes, but I want them distributed to the world. This was all following 
the mood of Bhaktivinoda Thakur and Srila Prabhupada knew it and said it many times. So Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur really is the first modern day example of uh, an acharya representing Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, whose movement had fallen into disrepute over so many years after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as is the tendency in the material world. Krishna says to Uddhava in the 11th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam that the parampara, the mood and mission, is always challenged because of the enervating power of time. It gets changed, altered, and then gradually goes in various deviant directions. And many deviating or deviant schools of thought uh, arose after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance of the Saki Bedis, the Sahajas. They're, they're listed and enumerated by Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur just so that we can know the difference between what is the actual parampara and the mood and mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and those who have deviated. All those had become prominent and at the same time the Gaudiya Vaishnavas had been um, degraded to such a point that people did not consider them to be serious spiritual practitioners because of these many deviations. You see, this is the power of Shastra. As Joseph T. McConnell points out, that the soft institution of the Krishna consciousness movement is the literature because it's the way in which we transport culture across time and geology. <laughs> we have to move the culture from one generation to the next. It's not so easy. We see what was popular even 20 years ago, 50 years ago now, and then becomes the, uh, the bane of society and people change their moods, their styles so frequently. So how do you move an, an ancient culture from one era to the next? And how do you move it across uh, uh, the planet and get it into people's hands and so forth? So this comes from the literature the books are the foundational, the, the spine of human society. Even the United States of America, in it, this little experiment that's going on over here on this chunk of land, uh, has been guided by a document. So the books are so important. And when Bhaktivinoda Thakur brought to light the teachings of Lord Chaitanya from the Chaitanya Charamrita, which was written by Kaviraj Goswami in the order of all the Vaishnavas of the time. Then Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur rediscovered it. You see, it survived. And therefore the culture survived. No matter what happens in the external world, when the institution of literature is preserved and becomes prominent, then the ideas and the practice and the mood can also be preserved and passed on.
So Bhaktivinoda Thakur then became uh, connected officially to the Sampradaya through his Diksha Guru, Vipina Vihari Goswami. Now, it's a very interesting point. Sometimes, actually, there is a, quite a debate, and there's always going to be a debate, and one has to understand clearly the mood, mission, and Shastra behind one's tradition that one's following. Otherwise, we fall into Niyamagraha. We're doing it only because, oh, other people are doing it. We don't know why. We're not clear. Or we just stop doing it altogether and think, not important to follow this or that. I just won't do it because we don't have a clear understanding of, of the practice. So, Bhaktivinoda Thakur was received his Pancharatric initiation from Vibhina Bihari Goswami, but his prominent uh, guru, or in the Bhagavat line, is Srila Jagannath Das Babaji Maharaj. Now, some people disputed at the time of Srila Bhaktisiddhanta, who was the follower of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, whose guru was Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj, about where is the connection through Diksha. Of course, those who are mostly superficially inclined in the Bhagavatam, the neophytes, Acharyam Eva Hareye, Pujam Yashradeye Hete, Natad Bhakti Shu Chanyeshu, Sabhakta Prakrita Smitaha. Those who are Prakrita Bhaktas are mostly concerned only with Archan. They worship the deity in the temple, Natad Bhakti Shu Chanyeshu, but they don't know how to uh, spot a pure devotee. They don't know a Bhagavat when they see it. Nor do they know how to do good for others, which is the main concern of Bhagavats. Tapyante lokatapena sarava prayasojana parama aradhanam tadi Goswami speaks about the great Bhagavat Lord Shiva and says, after Lord Shiva drinks the ocean of poison to save the world, great Bhagavats, they are paradukaduki. They suffer because of the pain of others, and therefore they go to austerities themselves to save the others. This is the moon of the Bhagavat. And the Bhagavats, Bhavadvita Bhagavatas, Tirta Bhuta Swayam Vibho, Tirta Kurvanti Tirtani Svantaksnena Gadabrata. As Yudhishthir told Vidura, you carry the holy places in your heart, you purify the holy places because of your presence, because you carry Lord Krishna, or more importantly, you have love for Lord Krishna within your heart. And so we find that there's the Pantratric line, which is very important. We have to have a Diksha initiation, as Jiva Goswami said, it's especially imperative in the Kali Yuga because people have such bad samskars coming into this life. And if they didn't before, they will by the time they're five, just from the environment and the material world. So they have to have Pancharatric initiation. But the Bhagavat initiation is also uh, mentioned. We hear Vande Guru Nisha Bhaktan, Isha Nisha Vatarakam. Chaitanya Charitamrita starts by worshiping all the gurus, not just the Diksha Guru, but also those who give instruction in the Bhagavat Marg. Uh, and one may become 
uh, whoever, whichever it is, becomes most prominent is that is helping one the most in in the process of devotional service naturally becomes prominent. And there is a way in which, in any religious system, the priests priestly class, because they get some power by their position, then can simply claim power because of their heritage. And this happened after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. There were line, line uh, DNA line coming from Srila uh, Nityananda Prabhu. We had this idea, there was this idea propagated that if you were initiated in the line of Nityananda, uh, then you were bona fide. And only the family members uh, could be included and therefore its exclusive power went to one kind of person. But kiva vipra kiva nyashi shudrakena ye krishna tattva veta she guru hai. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the great reformer, great reformers come uh, to actually bring the essence of, of religious practice to the world and wrest it away from the hands of those who would abuse power by simply claiming proprietorship because they're in a biological line, uh, pranali, it's simply a, a, a line. But um, we say, they say siddha pranali, where's the siddha? Where's the perfection? That has to be there. You have to know the science of Krishna and actually follow the, the line of Krishna. In the Tattva Sandarbha, there's a verse number seven, when he begins his Mangalacharna, Jiva Goswami says, Ata natva mantra gurun, gurun bhagavatarta dan. That he's offering his obeisances uh, to his mantra guru and also to his other gurus. For instance, his bhagavata gurus. So this um, became a point of contention. The difference between taking initiation in a particular line through diksha as compared to the importance of the line of Bhagavata gurus who give shiksha in the process of understanding uh, the Bhagavatam. And this is, uh, in history of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, something that came to a head because it was a very awkward situation. The line of, of this, uh, these kind of uh, Diksha Gurus and the idea that uh, one had to be a Brahmana in order to give initiation and so forth was uh, something that Vipina Vihari Goswami's uh, Parivar uh, brought up this point. Why did Raghunath Das Goswami receive from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu a Govardhan Shila and not a Shaligram Shila? Because they claimed that he was from a lower Hare Krishna. Electricity went out. Merc Merc Mercury is in retrograde. Eclipses are coming. <laughs> so there was a dispute. And that is that in the line of those who considered the Pranali, or just the the <clears throat> physical connection through 
receiving the mantra to be all important and considering that, that one had to be a brahmana and therefore brahmanism was more important than the idea of being advanced in Krishna consciousness. And the claim was made that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had given a Govardhan Shila to Raghunath Das Goswami because he wasn't qualified to worship a Shalagram Shila, which is the right only of those who are uh, Brahminically initiated. So there was to be a debate. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur, respecting his uh, Guru Jana and considering that his uh, Diksha Guru was uh, on the side of the promoting uh, Brahmanism, about Vaishnavism, uh, he didn't go to that debate, but he sent his son Kedaranath Dat, which is the time at which his Srila uh, Bhaktisiddhanta, soon to be, star began to shine very, very brightly, showing that he was that ray of Vishnu that Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur had prayed for, who had come to help spread the Krishna consciousness movement all over the world. So at this huge assembly of people who had come to hear this epic debate, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, um, Bhimala Prasad, excuse me, I misspoke earlier, Bhimala Prasad, that son of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, came and he described the glories of the Brahmins. And the Brahmins there were basking in this glorif Shastric glorification. And then he began to make the strong case, which is all recorded in a book, which is available, uh, uh, recording the, the recorded conversation transcribed of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur's speech at that time um, showing through Shastra how the Bhagavat line is the most important uh, those who have taken to Krishna consciousness and become Vaishnavas are already uh, Brahmanas it's included within a Brahmanism quoting Srimad Bhagavatam Devahuti exclaiming that those who are chanting Hare Krishna, they're freed from their prarabdha karmas. They become qualified even to perform Vedic sacrifices because of that. And of course, what to speak of those who are seeing the Lord face to face and at that debate, <clears throat> Srila Bhaktisiddhanta was so successful in his presentation that the crowd became electrified to the point that they all surged towards him to try to take the dust of his lotus feet. And the police who were there saw that there was going to be a stampede, maybe a riot. And so they picked up this young sadhu and they dipped his lotus feet in a bucket of water and then they distributed the water as fast as they could to the crowd to appease them. 
this, the son of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So this uh, idea, Nigama Kalpatorur Galitam Palam Shukamukaram Rita Dravasamyutam Pibata Bhagavatam Rasamaliam Mahuraho Rasika Bhuvi Bhavukaha is given at the outset of the Srimad Bhagavatam. That this Bhagavatam is not just the mature fruit of the tree of Vedic literature, but it's also Pibata. It's drinkable because it's semi-solid. It's been pre-blended. Uh, it's been like a smoothie. You can just drink it. No um, special uh, other requirement except that you have to be you just can't be an animal killer, needlessly slaughtering other living entities out of envy or yourself, um, self-mutilating, uh, uh, um, killing your soul. If, if you, you can rise above that base uh, quality, then you can sit and hear Bhagavatam, not just hear it, but Pibata, you can drink it. This is the Bhagavat line. And there's a way in which from the heart of the person Bhagavata, that person who has heard the Bhagavatam and been moved by it to dedicate his or her life fully to the service of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and to uh, Lord Krishna and knows Vedeshu Yagyeshu Tapasu Chaiva Daneshu Yapunya Palam that I don't need to do any other sacrifice. Everything's perfected by hearing Krishna Kata. Shraddha Shabdi Vishwas Kohe Sudri Dadishoy Krishna Bhakti Koyle Sarva Karma Krita Hoy. All other activities are, are done by submissively hearing the Bhagavata, just by uh, drinking in the. the powerful vibration that comes from the Bhagavatam, especially from the mouths of the pure devotees. And this is uh, Kapiladev says that Satam prasangamam aviri sambhivo vido bhavanti hrit karanasayana kata tajjoshanat ashwa pavargavartnami shradaratir bhaktir anukramishati Just like yesterday Nirkul and I were on a walk and we were noticing that everything's blooming, vegetables are coming out of people's vegetable gardens. It's a miracle. How does it happen? It's because of the sun. The all-pervading sun awakens every living entity. The, amazingly, the, the energy of the sun nourishes these plants. They all come alive. And in the same way, uh, the effulgence of Krishna maintains the, the entire world. The effulgence makes the, the seed-like universes expand into their full form, just as a tomato plant starts as the tiniest little seed and then all of a sudden it's manifesting arms and leaves and flowers and then fruits and it all comes out. And in a similar way, just by hearing the Bhagavatam in the association of Bhagavatas, so then that vibration, satam prasangama mavirya sambhido bhavanti hritkanarasayanakata, it acts like a, a remedial, it, like medicine. And then one naturally advances 
to step by step to the highest position of devotional service. So this is the um, Bhagavat Marg. And the Bhagavat Marg, this powerful vibration is passed from one uh, great Vaishnav to the next uh, through the system of the Bhagavata Parampara. And this is what Bhaktivinoda Thakur put forward. It said that he had written uh, after that incident the most prominent of, of Vaishnavs in the Bhagavata Parampara and uh, posted it outside of his room. And Srila Bhaktisiddhanta wrote that song glorifying those members of the uh, that that are mentioned there in that line of great uh, devotees. This is not at all saying that uh, we don't need to have diksha initiation, but it's saying that Vande Gurun Isha Bhaktan, we worship all the gurus and that there is a Bhagavat Parampara. So this is was something uh, an idea brought forth and carried through to the present day uh, that Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur made a very prominent so we are uh, the recipients of that. Amazingly, in all parts of the world, people, because of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, are able to take to this process of Krishna consciousness and become advanced simply by associating with devotees, hearing the Srimad Bhagavatam, taking to the uh, Archana process, worshiping the deity, uh, going to the holy places, and so on. So now uh, to um, honor Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, following its footsteps, we'll hear some uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita, and then we'll take some reflections and questions to expand. This is from Adi Leela, chapter 2, text 6. Impersonal Brahman, the localized Paramatma, and the personality of Godhead are three subjects in the glowing effulgence, the partial manifestation, and the original form are their three respective predicates. Anuvada Age, Pachi Vidheya Stapana, She Arto Kahi Shuna, Shastra Vivarana. A predicate always follows its subject. Now I shall explain the meaning of this verse according to the revealed scriptures. Swayam Bhagavan Krishna Vishnu Paratattva Purna Jnana Purnananda Parama Mahatattva Krishna, the original form of the Personality of Godhead, is a Samam Bonam of the all-pervading Vishnu. He is all-perfect knowledge and all-perfect bliss. He is the supreme transcendence. Nanda Sutta Bali Jare Bhagavate Gai She Krishna Avatirna Chaitanya Gosai he whom Srimad Bhagavatam describes as the son of Nanda Maharaj has descended to earth as Lord Chaitanya. Purport. According to the rules of rhetorical arrangement for efficient composition in literature, a subject should be mentioned before its predicate. The Vedic literature frequently mentions Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan, 
and therefore these three terms are widely known as the subjects of transcendental understanding. But it is not widely known that what is approached as the impersonal Brahman is the effulgence of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's transcendental body. Nor is it widely known that the Supersoul or Paramatma is only a partial representation of Lord Chaitanya, who is identical with Bhagavan himself. Therefore, the descriptions of Brahman as the effulgence of Lord Chaitanya, the Paramatma as his partial representation, and the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna as identical with Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu must be verified by evidence from authoritative Vedic literatures. The author wants to establish first that the essence of the Vedas is the Vishnu Tattva, the Absolute Truth, Vishnu, the all-pervading Godhead. The Vishnu Tattva has different categories of which the highest is Lord Krishna, the ultimate Vishnu Tattva, as confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita and throughout the Vedic literature. In Srimad Bhagavatam, the same Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna is described as Nanda Sutta, the son of King Nanda. Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami says that Nanda Sutta has again appeared as Lord Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and he bases this statement on his understanding that the Vedic literature concludes there is no difference between Lord Krishna and Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This the author will prove. If it is thus proved that Sri Krishna is the origin of all tattvas, truths, namely Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan, and that there is no difference between Sri Krishna and Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it will not be difficult to understand that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is also the same origin of all tattvas. The same absolute truth, as he is revealed to students of different realizations, is called Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. Text 10. Prakash Visheshe Teha Dare Tin Nam Brahma Paramatma Aru Swayam Bhagavan. In terms of his various manifestations, he is known in three features called the impersonal Brahman, the localized Paramatma, and the original personality of Godhead. Srila Jiva Goswami has explained the word Bhagavan in his Bhagavat Santarbha the personality of Godhead being full of all conceivable and inconceivable potencies is the absolute supreme whole. Impersonal Brahman is a partial manifestation of the absolute truth realized in the absence of such complete potencies. The first syllable of the word Bhagavan is Ba, which means sustainer and protector. The next letter, Ga, means leader, pusher, and creator. Va means dwelling. All living beings dwell in the Supreme Lord, and the Supreme Lord dwells within the heart of every living being. Combining all these concepts, the word Bhagavan carries the import of inconceivable potency in knowledge, energy, strength, opulence, power, and influence, devoid of all varieties of inferiority. Without such inconceivable potencies, one cannot fully sustain or protect. Our modern civilization is sustained by scientific arrangements devised by many great scientific brains, 
We can just imagine, therefore, the gigantic brain whose arrangements sustain the gravity of the unlimited number of planets and satellites and who creates the unlimited space in which they float. If one considers the intelligence needed to do orbit man-made satellites, one cannot be fooled into thinking that there is not a gigantic intelligence responsible for the arrangements of the various planetary systems. There is no reason to believe that all the gigantic planets float in space without the superior arrangement of a superior intelligence. This subject is clearly dealt with in the Bhagavad Gita 1513, where the personality of God, it says, I enter into each planet, and by my energy they stay in orbit. Were the planets not held in the grip of the personality of Godhead, they would all scatter like dust in the air. Modern scientists can only impractically explain this inconceivable strength of the personality of Godhead. The potencies of the syllable ba, ga, and va apply in terms of many different meanings through his different potent agents. The Lord protects and sustains everything, but he himself personally protects and sustains only his devotees just as a king personally sustains and protects his own children, while entrusting the protection and sustenance of the state to various administrative agents. The Lord is the leader of his devotees, as we learn from the Bhagavad Gita, which mentions that the personality of Godhead personally instructs his loving devotees how to make certain progress on the path of devotion and thus surely approach the kingdom of God. The Lord is also the recipient of all the adoration offered by his devotees, for whom he is the objective and the goal. For his devotees, the Lord creates a favorable condition for developing a sense of transcendental love of Godhead. For his devotees, the Lord creates a favorable condition for developing a sense of transcendental love of Godhead. Sometimes he does this by taking away a devotee's material attachments by force and baffling all his material protective agents. The MPAs, material protective agents. For thus the devotee must completely depend on the Lord's protection. In this way, the Lord proves himself the leader of his devotees. You can make a list of your MPAs. The Lord is not directly attached to the creation, maintenance, and destruction of the material world, for he is eternally busy in the enjoyment of transcendental bliss with paraphernalia composed of his internal potencies. Yet, as the initiator of the material energy, as well as the marginal potency, the living beings, he expands himself as the Purusha avatars who are invested with potencies similar to his. The Purusha avatars are also in the category of Bhagavat Tattva because each and every one of them is identical with the original form of the Personality of Godhead. The living entities are his infinitesimal particles and are qualitatively one with him. They are sent into this material world for material enjoyment, to fulfill their desires to be independent individuals, but still they are subject to the supreme will of the Lord. The Lord deputes himself in the state of super soul to supervise the arrangements for such material enjoyment. The Lord deputes himself in the state of super soul to supervise the arrangements for such material enjoyment. 
The example of a temporary fair is quite appropriate in this connection. If the citizens of a state assemble in a fair to enjoy for a short period, the government deputes a special officer to supervise it. Such an officer is invested with all governmental power, and therefore he is identical with the government. When the fair is over, there is no need for such an officer, and he returns home. The Paramatma is compared to such an officer. The living beings are not all in all. They are undoubtedly parts of the Supreme Lord and are qualitatively one with him, yet they are subject to his control. Thus, they are never equal to the Lord or one with him. The Lord who associates with the living being is the Paramatma, or supreme living being. No one, therefore, should view the tiny living beings and supreme living being to be on, the equal, to be on an equal level. The all-pervading truth that exists eternally during the creation, maintenance, and annihilation of the material world and in which the living beings rest in trance is called the impersonal Brahman. And now we'll take some um, questions or reflections to expand our conversation about Bhaktivinoda Thakur or any of the uh, subjects that we've heard so far from the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. Be back in 14 and a half seconds. You muted, Maharaj. Okay, okay, it should work. Thank you. Okay. So from the Bhagavatam twelve thirteen eighteen. This is the concluding remarks. Shrimad Bhagavatam Puranamalam Yad Vaishnavanam Priyam Yasmin Paramaham Syam Ekam Amalam Gyanam Param Giyate Tatra Gyana Viraga Bhakti Sahitam Naishkarm Yam Avishkritam Tachinvan Su Patan Vicharana Paro Bhaktya Vimuchyan Nara. Srimad Bhagavatam is the spotless Purana. It is most dear to the Vaishnavas because it describes the pure and supreme knowledge of the Paramahamsas. This Bhagavatam reveals the means for becoming free from all material work, together with the processes of transcendental knowledge, renunciation, and devotion. Anyone who seriously tries to understand Srimad Bhagavatam who properly hears and chants it with devotion, becomes completely liberated. This is a description of the Bhagavata Marg, hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, the association of devotees. Purport, because Srimad Bhagavatam is completely free of contamination by the modes of nature, it is endowed with extraordinary spiritual beauty and is therefore dear to the pure devotees of the Lord. The word Paramahamsyam, 
Paramahamsyam indicates that even completely liberated souls are eager to hear and narrate Srimad Bhagavatam. Those who are trying to be liberated should faithfully serve this literature by hearing and reciting with faith and devotion. We, we know that Shukadeva Goswami, although he was a completely liberated soul and left home, a Paitakritam, without undergoing the sacred thread ceremony, went off to the forest, but he was attracted back because his father sent out some of his followers to recite Bhagavatam verses for Shukadeva to, to hear. And that's why he came back, even though he was a liberated soul. Here we have a Sri Madhava Mahotsava reflection. It says, I really like when you said to not take the books for granted. We have immense facility handed to us on a silver platter. I also really like that when you referenced Lord Shiva and said how to do good for others is the main focus of the Bhagavata. Yes. Um, we've had so much handed to us. I actually, Krishna hands everything to us. And um, I, as I was just reading in that purport, there's a way in which super soul comes to facilitate whatever kind of desires we have. He's supervising to make sure that uh, everything gets fulfilled. Nityo nityanam chetanas chetananam eko bahunam yovidatatikaman. There are many eternal living entities. There's one supreme eternal living entity and thank God for God. And then uh, that one supreme living entity is fulfilling the desires of all the others. Just after the creation starts, the Lord again reminds the living entities, here's what you wanted before, I can fulfill your desire, and on goes the material world. So how powerful is it that one can then come in contact with pure devotees and then transfer that desire to the desire for devotional service through which the Lord is eagerly awaiting to uh, give us facility for. And this is mentioned by Gajendra. He said, it's not that you're ever lazy about this. It's the living entity's desire to try something different from devotional service and the and the facilitation of that it means the material world and all the implications that rest solely and wholly on on the person who uh, decides to take a risk and go to um, go to a rally without a mask. So we got uh, Pawan Kumar. The Lord disputes Himself in the state of super soul to supervise the arrangements for such material enjoyment. The example of a temporary fair is quite appropriate in this connection. If the citizens of a state assembly assemble in a fair to enjoy for a short period, the government deputes a special officer to supervise it. Such an officer is invested with all governmental power, and therefore he is identical with the government. When the fair is over, there is no need for such an officer and returns home. The paramat was compared. To such an office. And just think, you have your own supervisor right there in your own heart. So if you have any complaints or desires, just bring it up. It's like in Japan, they have a system called Komban. They have these police boxes everywhere around Tokyo and the big cities where the police 
sit in this little, um, these little offices. So if you have any problem, questions, things like that, you can go there, ask, they'll take care of you. So we have that little kumban right in our heart. Krishna is just sitting there. How can I help? Uh, anything you'd like? So if we turn our attention there and just go, you know, turn yourself in and say, <laughs> this is, uh, this is what I really want. Now he'll immediately respond. Tesham satata yuktanam bhajatam priti purvakam dadami buddhiyogam tam yenamam upayantite. So to anyone who just sincerely turns to me, I'll give the wherewithal to come back to Godhead. Shringar Ras, Devi Dasi, here she is, and she's got a question. She says, the point that you mentioned about Indians having poor self-esteem with respect to Sanatana Dharma is still very much enmeshed in the Indian psychology. Specifically, many educated Indians feel hesitant to embrace Sanatana Dharma. How can we preach to that particular section of the population? Thank you. Well, as Prabhupada said, an Indian, if you scratch an Indian just below the surface, there's Krishna consciousness. So no matter what kind of cultural... Um, type of covering has uh, come there, then uh, right below the surface is uh, this uh, um, spontaneous idea for Krishna. When we started our Harinams down in Palo Alto, uh, they used to be very simple, simpler than they are now, where we just, we'd stand up the whole time and we'd just uh, chant Hare Krishna, rock back and forth and dance and there was this Indian man I saw early on, and uh, he walked. He would walk through the park somehow, rather it was synchronized by Krishna, and he'd see us. And the first time that he saw me there chanting, I mean, somehow he singled me out, and he, and he started cursing, and saying, uh, you know, this is all nonsense, and used a lot of foul words. And um, I was just friendly to him. And the next time he came by, he did it again, but a little less vehemently. And I was still friendly to him, just smiled and waved and so forth. And that went on for a year. And we used to go there every month. And each time he would be a little less uh, critical. And then he'd just kind of walk by and he waved to me. And then one day he came over and he, he shook my hand. And then after that, he started coming over and, and hugging me. And so, you know, whatever kind of film of this uh, misunderstanding is there, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Vita Raghavaya Krodha. Krodha means anger because people are confused, and rightly so, because there have been so many deviant philosophies preached in India and people get confused by them because they don't make any sense. And that's why Bhaktivinoda Thakur wanted a systematized program to teach the Goswami's literatures in the world. And that's why when somebody reads Bhagavad Gita as it is and uh, can read the Nectar Devotion, they can, they're smart. Living entities are smart. They can figure things out. That's why they're human beings. Atato Brahma Jignasa. And then they can see, oh, this makes sense. I can follow this. And they're not so angry. So the way that we can do it is be friendly with people and also uh, teach Bhagavad Gita as it is. Keep coming back to Bhagavad Gita because everybody in India accepts Bhagavad Gita. And if they don't, 
then there's no conversation. Uh, you have to accept Bhagavad Gita. All the Acharyas, even the Mayavadis accept Bhagavad Gita. Now we just present Bhagavad Gita as it is and say, okay, prove it by Bhagavad Gita. And we can disprove any kind of weird philosophy. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells him about himself. Arjuna flat out asks him, which is better, personal worship or impersonal worship? And Krishna just says it. Personal worship's better. The other thing's a big problem. Don't get into it. And Brahmano hi pratishtaham amritasyavyascha shashvatasya chatarmasya that I'm the basis of the impersonal Brahman. It all emanates from me. Nothing is above me. No thing. Nothing better than Krishna. Bhagavan. So preach Bhagavad Gita. Stick to Bhagavad Gita. It's the salvation of, of all um, the world and especially the people of India who are blessed to be born in Bharat Varsha. And then we got um, Srivata has a reflection here where he says, when speaking about Bhaktivinoda Thakur and how he made Shastra so available for us, it reminded me of the Tulayama Lavinapi verse from Srimad Bhagavatam, which describes how even a moment's association with a Bhagavata devotee of the Lord cannot be compared to birth in the heavenly planets or even liberation. Through these books, I am able to get far more than a moment of association with all these sadhus. It also reminded me of the verse in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Shruti Smriti Paranadi, because this Krishna consciousness movement is justified by all, the, by all Shastra. This made me feel really grateful for Bhakti Thakur and all the Vaishnava Acharyas, as it is only by their mercy that I have any hope and to make any substantial progress, I have to take complete shelter of their instructions and follow it with enthusiasm. The Vaishnavas have taken so much effort to make Shastra accessible to me, so there are no excuses. Krishna has made it easy. Acharyas have made it even more easy, but sometimes I feel like I forget about this and I start taking Shastra for granted, as if it isn't a big deal, that I have such easy access to Srimad Bhagavatam. How do I become uh, serious about devotional service and maintain a consistently high level of enthusiasm to make progress as fast as possible? It's all by sadhu sangha. Our, our association uh, develops our enthusiasm. And if you say an association of uh, like-minded sadhus who are more advanced than yourself, like-minded means they're following Lord Chaitanya, they understand the, the line that we're in, and you, uh, f uh, and they're more advanced than you, then you'll be in their slipstream. means like when you're running a race, you get behind the person who's running out front, and you, what they call drafting, and then the air is cut, and you're able to run behind. Um, as Bhaktivinoda Thakur sings in his song, that I'm running behind my guru saying, please uh, give me Krishna. And the Hanumat Sheikh Swami revealed to us why he's running behind his guru is because his guru is running behind his guru. <laughs> They're all running <laughs> towards Krishna. 
Okay, let's see if there's anything from the Zoom room. I just wanted to comment, Maharaj. I was just thinking that, um, as you had mentioned about um, Mataji's question about the Indians, but I felt that, uh, you know, it's just amazing that um, in, when we went to Harinam last year during Thanksgiving, there was one person who was screaming on top of his voice and he, was, he kept telling that what we were doing is uh, just not, and he was requesting everybody around that he should not go and listen to us and he should not take the books from us. He was really, really screaming for almost an hour. And then one lady just walked in and she said, you know, is he screaming against you for all the good things you guys are doing? So I said, uh, um, uh, it's okay, it doesn't matter. She said, no, I know he's doing it against you. I'm going to call the cop. So actually, after some time, the cops came and they told him that you cannot stand here and do it. They're already taken this place. So you go and stand on the other side and you can do anything you want. So he still was there for a little bit of time. And then later, he came and started talking to some of the devotees. And then he was so thirsty that devotees got him water because he was screaming. <laughs> and after drinking the water, he said, um, I think now God will save you because you gave me water. <laughs> and then he walked away. I was just trying to think that I think all the devotees were so calm <laughs> that even the person who was so hatred, uh, was showing so much hatred in the beginning, was totally calmed down and he was, he was fine with what we we're doing and just went away. <laughs> there have been a lot of screaming pastimes down there. <laughs> yes. I mean, for a while, we go there before we had a permit, and the, those Christians used to come, and they literally have a soapbox to stand on. as actually a milk crate. And then they get up there with their uh, megaphone. But our kirtan was louder. And I remember one night we were, we were going, and we started praying to Lord Nishringadev, and his megaphone broke. He was looking at it, and it just wouldn't work. <laughs> it was uncanny. And... Uh, we noticed that whenever the Christians would come and, and with their big signs that said turn or burn, it's like to do with the LA Rathiatra, that we sold more books. Very true. Because people would come over and they go, are, you, are these guys against you? And they, we say, yeah, they're, you know, and they say, okay, I'll take a book. I don't even know what it is, but I'm going to, because I'm so against these guys protesting against you, I'm going to take something. They had mentioned to me last time at the Venice Beach, at the junction, they said that, uh, oh, he's telling us not to take the book. Which is the book he's talking about? <laughs> I in the book. I then literally, uh, at least 20 people there in that restaurant who are sitting in the corner, everybody asked, I need one book. I need one. Is it the same book that he's talking about? Yes. Yeah, so these uh, challenges come all the time. When one tries to present uh, Krishna consciousness, then there's a way that uh, people will oppose and they'll bring up different points. And we have to look at the mood of the Acharyas like Bhakti Thakur, how he would take a strong stand when there were people like uh, Vishikishena in Bengal, who was this mystic. He had some power in his hair. And he came to town in Orissa, actually, and he was impressing everybody by his mystic powers and he developed a following. And then he started taking advantage of the women in the village and doing his rasa dance and so forth. When Bhaktivinoda Thakur was called to come there and deal with the situation, then he uh, challenged this Bishikishena, who eventually he put in, in the prison. And then this mystic said, I will kill your whole family. And through his mystic power, all of the family of Bhaktivinoda Thakur became very ill until 
the, the trial in which he was tried and convicted, and then they cut off his hair and he lost all his power. So this story and many others are there about the ways in which Bhaktivinoda would assert himself to make sure that the clear message of Krishna consciousness came through to protect the people of the world. This is one of the duties of the Acharya and those who follow in his footsteps also have to be assertive sometimes. And of course we follow according to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mood. Sometimes he didn't argue, but he just showed humility. And this is the expertise that one must develop in order to see according to time, place, and circumstance how to present. That was really nice, by the way, Srivatsa, what you wrote. It was very nice. Uh, next one is Sri Madhava Mahotsava said, referring to the transformation of hostile man who ended up becoming friendly on Harinam, a lady came cursing us. She got on, she got an enchanting Hare Krishna pamphlet, began reading, then started dancing and gave a donation and received a Bhagavad Gita all within 10 minutes. This showed me how powerful the literature is expanding the Harinam. 10 minutes. Just see. People are overheated. They need a little um, direction. Then we have Jai Kanai. It says, earlier in the lecture you mentioned the qualification to hear Bhagavatam, not killing other living entities unnecessarily, not killing the self, Atmahanta. Can you please expand the second point a bit more? Killing oneself means not taking advantage of the human form of life, just wasting it for no reason. As soon as one understands the importance of human life, one should take advantage of it. Uh, it's It's very rare that it's achieved, the human body. It's a portal. It's actually specifically designed to chant Hare Krishna, this machine. And if you do other stuff with it, it wrecks it. So don't wreck your machine. Uh, chant Hare Krishna. You only get it after many, many days of standing in line, uh, socially distanced, many, many lifetimes. Socially distanced, you have to wait for like millions of lifetimes. And then you get into the thing and they give you a human body. And then uh, if you waste it after that, you're considered to be atmaha, a killer of the soul. You just got the most valuable thing. Like, you know, some people inherit wealth and then they just blow it. And they have nothing to show for it. They ended up broke and dependent on others again. So this is a horrible thing to waste the human form of life. Don't kill your soul by not taking advantage of the human form of life. Because uh, then you'll, you'll um, have to wait in line, socially distanced, with a mask on, for another who knows how many million births to get another opportunity. So don't kill the self. Uh, yeah, anything else from the Zoom room? Look, Anantagaranga is here. Anantagovinda, rather, excuse me. Hare Krishna. Good to see you. Hare Krishna. Yes, yes, please write a Krishna Prabhu. Uh, Maharaj, I was just thinking. Uh... You know how how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, with his humility, even he was a god himself. You know, 
in the mood of devotees and then following all the acharyas how Prabhupada changed the landscape of the preaching uh, especially as a spiritual leader when he claimed himself to be a servant of the people a servant of uh, you know the, the 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 humans i just felt like that is so distinguished from all other movement which we have happened in india right now there are so many uh, in certain shape and form some spiritual endeavors are there but eventually they there is there is a lack of something where they they get puffed up you know started getting like i'm a god now they started thinking wait a minute i have like no million followers i should be god because you know this, this is unusual so they cannot digest even their philosophy may be good and all that so i just felt like you know the there's no match to Prabhupada's philosophy you cannot find anywhere else it is the best and we are just lucky that Prabhupada just chosen us to be part of this moment so i'm really really grateful uh, to Prabhupada how he demonstrated through his uh, achar you know from his uh, from his behavior from his uh, you know the, that he's the servant claiming to be a servant when he's you know taking all us promising all us all of us to take back to godhead through you know simple uh, devotional service to Prabhupada. Yes, thank you for the point. And and um I appreciate your uh, great enthusiasm for it. Just uh mention that Prabhupada considered himself the servant of the servant of the servant, even when he talked about his disciples, he'd say they are the representatives of my Guru Maharaj, and therefore I am their servant because I am charged with training them. And with all this humility, at the same time, by the law of Yukta Vairagya, he claimed the unique position as founder Acharya, and he insisted upon it. In fact, there's a time in which some devotees had become influenced by uh, those who were envious of Prabhupada's preaching and his publishing books and so forth. And as an example of this, one of his books came out and it didn't have his title, Prabhupada. It had Swami Bhaktivedanta. And then Prabhupada uh, started um, making uh, guidelines for putting his uh, title as A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, founder Acharya of ISKCON, prominent. And so someone might say, isn't this antithetical to the idea of being humble? So humility doesn't always just mean uh, that I become um, submissive to whatever anybody ever says or whatever happens. And I'm just the servant, so it doesn't matter. I don't even assert myself. Uh, there is a, a famous um, speaker and uh, leader of a, of a movement um, who claim that uh, really there are no gurus. And uh, of course, somebody who says that and has a huge following, it's, um, it's uh, ironical because they are taking the position of a guru and then telling everyone there's no gurus. And finally, <laughs> he said, you know, don't even follow me because um, there are no gurus and so forth. And this um, this idea is uh, is not there in 
the way Prabhupada presented himself and other acharyas, because, as I mentioned, Prabhupada asserted himself and his position as uh, the exclusive founder acharya of, of Iskand, and that was for Yukta Vairagya, because there's a way in which to maintain the continuity of an institution. Uh, one may have to um, take a position that seems that, oh, well, that's not humble. You're claiming to be the leader. But in doing that, one's actually serving. So one has to be intelligent to understand that when uh, there's a, a movement to be pressed on and that people need to have a clear leader and so forth, uh, asserting oneself for the purpose of expanding the movement and taking a position is not antithetical to the principle of Trinadapi Sunichena. In fact, it's the essence of it, which is proved in the Bhagavad Gita when Arjuna goes forward and fights the war. And it means that one, humility means uh, putting oneself in a submissive position to Krishna and that in all circumstances, I follow his will and not mine. Thank you for your, um, your point. Anything else from the Zoom room? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes. Oh, Hare Krishna, Malini. Prabhuji, um, I, in the beginning, you were making a point about um, how uh, transport, we transport the culture through books. And, um, and I was just thinking that these days, everybody wants... Um, their next generation or their children to always follow their culture and traditions, but they are actually um, not so successful in doing so because they are, by their own example, they don't know complete knowledge. But how this uh, Bhagavatam, uh, when, when that comes into picture and that comes into people's lives, how the culture, traditions and knowledge are carried over from one generation to the next. So I was feeling so much grateful that uh, we have these books by the mercy of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Yes. And um, having the opportunity to distribute them pleases our great, great or great, great, great grandfather. And uh, the mercy flows down. These personalities are eternally there watching over us and we have a connection to them through the service in the Pram Prak. Can you imagine how pleased Bhaktivinoda Thakur would be with his great-great uh, and great-great-great grandchildren who are making the Bhagavatam available to people and that's why it's addicting because those who do it feel the mercy coming down through the internal energy and uh, what to speak of those who are studying the Bhagavatam on a regular basis they, all their desires are fulfilled. It's a wish-fulfilling tree, Kalpataru. Thank you very much. Zoom room, anyone? Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. We're talking about... We we're talking about how um, association is very important. And remember this story of Haridas Thakur, where someone sent a prostitute to actually disturb him from his chanting. Um, uh, so um, the, and the prostitute tried for many days, but uh, when she asked uh, when she asked Haridas Thakur, he said, "Just um, a few more hours, I'll finish my chanting." And at the end of the day, 
she actually also started chanting and um, she became a pure devotee of the Lord. That's a nice story. And tell us why you brought that up. Because you were talking about so devotee association, how devotee association is really important. Yes. And then we have so many modern day examples of that, not exactly like that, but just when devotees get to see the potency when they go out to meet people and distribute Krishna consciousness and they notice how people's hearts change in association with the literatures, the holy name and taking prasadam and meeting devotees, then it becomes more evident to us of the efficacy of the process. And then we become enlivened to practice it more ourselves. So thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. So the disappearance of the of the great Vaishnav is uh, a time in which we then notice what the that Acharya has left behind for us. And it is incumbent upon us to take uh, advantage of it as much as possible. And so we pray on this day of Srila Bhakti Vinod Thakur's Divine Disappearance Day, that we may take full advantage of his legacy through all the great teachers um, he inspired, and that we may please him by adopting the proper mood of following Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Goswamis, and all their descendants, by imbibing Krishna consciousness through chanting Hare Krishna, hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, following the Pantratric Vidhi, and also through spreading Krishna consciousness to as many people as possible. May the songs of Bhaktivinoda Thakur become prominent in the world, and may uh, the teachings of the Bhagavatam become the gold standard of all philosophy and theology in the world. Thank you for considering our requests. Hare Krishna. Everyone who agrees with these ideas in part or in whole, please say Hare Krishna. We're going to sing one of the hit songs of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Kali Kukur. And then just after that, we're going to have a Pushpanjali ceremony. And um, you can throw virtual flowers uh, for Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And we'll have the, the Guru Puja. We have behind us, <laughs> I hope you can see, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur and, uh, and Srila Prabhupada. So we'll now offer the Pushpanjali uh, to Srila uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Om Jnana Timurandasya Jnana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Vandeham Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Tapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadakmayam Tadati Swapadantikam Tadati Swapadantikam Nandeham Shri Guru Shri Guru 
Vishnavidi Sevya Manusmarami Sriman Rasadasarambi Vam Shivata Tatastita Karshan Venus Narea Gopir Gopinata Shri Vesvinaha Ekin Thakur Goriati Karinan Ach Atmasat Ekinir Chalamamamdini Murnat Tapta Kanchana Godangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Vishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamani Hari Priye Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Garadhara Shivasari Gora Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Namo Bhakti Vinodaya Sakachidananda Namine Gora Shakti Swarupaya Rupanuga Variety Shiva Bhakti Vinodaya Ki Jai Esha Pushpanjali Namo Bhakti Vinodaya Sakchidananda Namine Gora Shakti Swarupaya Rupa Nuga Varayate Esha Pushpanjali Shila Bhakti Vinodaya Ki I bow down to the beautiful lotus feet of my spiritual master. By his causeless mercy, I obtained the supreme holy name, the divine mantra, the service of the son of Shachimata, the association of Srila Surup Damodar, 
Rupa Goswami and his older brother, Sanatana Goswami, the supreme abode of Mathura, the blissful abode of Vrindavan, Vine Radhakun and Govardhan Hill, and the desire within my heart for the loving service of Shishi Radhika, Madhava and Vrindavan. O spiritual master, O giver of divine wisdom, O friend of the fallen, you are the giver of your own bliss, and you are the only ocean of mercy. Although dwelling in Vrindavan, you have descended for the welfare of fallen souls like myself, and you are preaching the divine love of Radha for Krishna, please be kind upon me. O friend of the lowly, O Gurudev, you are the only ocean of mercy. I am a doleful and have committed hundreds of thousands of offenses. I have fallen into a dense myriad of sins. Therefore, grace me with your mercy so that, that my mind may be fixed on your lotus feet and on Sri Krishna. The lotus feet of our spiritual master are the only way which we can attain pure devotional service. I bow to his lotus feet with great awe and reverence. By his grace, one can cross the ocean of material suffering and obtain the mercy of Krishna. Our only wish is to have our consciousness purified by the words emanating from his lotus mouth. Attachment to his lotus feet is the perfection that fulfills all the desires. He opens our darkened eyes and fills our heart with transcendental knowledge. He is our birth after birth. From him ecstatic prema emanates, by him ignorance is destroyed. The Vedic scriptures sing of his character. Our spiritual master is the ocean of mercy, the friend of the poor, and the Lord and master of the devotees. O master, be merciful to us. Give us the shade of your lotus feet. Your fame is spread all over the world. Shri Guru Charan. Um, you do first question. Shri Guru Chaganda Padma Kebalaba Kati Guru Mukha Padma 
Kapati Vikatana Kama Prajaras Bhavana Krishna Matashatana Kapati Vikatana Kama Shura Bhakta Palana Shiksha Ganatana Chalapakti Dushana Rama Chalabakti Dushanana Hare Krishna Hare Krishna
So the best way to advance in devotional service is through Acharya Upasana, worship of the great Acharyas. And um, we're worshiping the best of all Acharyas today. We are from the Bhaktivinoda Parivar, the family of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And we have the shelter of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who perfectly embodies the mercy of Bhaktivinoda Thakur and all the previous Acharyas 
and packaged it just so that we could take advantage of it and distribute the whole world. This is the Hare Krishna movement, the one that exploded in 1965 from Boston Harbor, then to Pennsylvania, and then into New York City, San Francisco, Montreal, um, New Mexico, all the way to the UK, then through Europe, all over the world. It's the same Hare Krishna. The same mood is there. And by worshiping these acharyas, we can get that, pick up that impetus to spread Krishna consciousness. When we have that, it washes away all of the other petty cares we have in the world, stupid desires and worries and all kinds of different differences that we may have. And when we have this united desire to please the acharyas, worship them by spreading Krishna consciousness as they've done and as they've given us the opportunity to do, and by chanting Hare Krishna and following their footsteps, tat tat karma pavartana, doing all the varied activities of devotional service, then what's to worry about? Life is perfect and we're on the train, on the boat, on the airplane, the rocket ship, going back to Godhead. So only thing we have to lament is there's millions of people walking around. These are good people out there. They're sincere, nice people, maybe just messed up, misguided, because they didn't uh, get the memo yet. So let's give them the memo. Memo's already written. Krishna wrote, Krishna wrote a personal memo to the world. <laughs> just not everybody got it yet. So don't let the people go without the memo. Make sure they get it. And, um, you know, this life is hanging in the balance right now because we don't know. At any second, we can just drop off. Any of us can. And we don't know what's going to happen, but we do know that if we take shelter of Krishna, then he'll arrange for everything so we can stay in service. And where, wherever that may be, it's equal to us because as long as we have the service of Srila Prabhupada and all the great Acharyas, then uh, we're satisfied. We don't need anything else. It totally fills us up. Everyone agrees with these ideas in part or in whole. Please say, Jai Bhakti Vinod Thakur. You've empowered us all these years, channeled through His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada and his followers to carry on with our practices of Krishna consciousness. Please purify us. Please purify our chanting and hearing. And please, please empower us to spread this movement uh, further, wider, with more intelligence, with more imagination than ever before. Please let us spread the book distribution tenfold, fiftyfold, a thousandfold all over the world. It's never been done before or even conceived of. Please let us experience no limitations on spreading Krishna consciousness. We beg this at your lotus feet and um, ask for your mercy. Srila Bhaktivinotakur ki jai. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Not to the Not to the Not to the Not to the